Good morning. We are going to be continuing our study in the book of Joseph. No? Okay, we're a little bit awake. Yeah. We are in the book of Genesis studying Mr. Joseph. And um, I, I wanted to share with you guys sometimes, you know, a lot of people comment on, on my clothing because sometimes I'll show up in a tank top and shorts. Just kidding, never done that. But maybe, maybe a button up and shorts. And so one of my college students. He, he told me there's two identities that I have. When I'm, when I'm on my, my regular, my youth attire, um, I'm Randy. But when I'm in a suit, I'm Randall. So you can now refer to me as Randall if I'm wearing a suit and Randy if not. Um, but I hope everybody's doing good this morning. We are going to be looking at two questions I have for you guys. Uh, number one, who are you? And number two, why are you? Who are you and what makes you that way? We all have different ambitions. We all have uh, things that we want to be or that, that, that we perceive to be or that we strive to be or that we intended to be, but it may not be actually who it is that we are. And a lot of times we have to do a heart check on our own selves and look at where, where it is that we're going, why it is that we're going there, and, and, and what are, what are our motiva- what's motivating us to do that, and what are the desires in our heart. And why are those desires there? And I find myself, you know, teaching this many different ways throughout the, the time that, that I've been behind this pulpit. And this morning, it was a conviction that was put on my heart. Maybe it was just for me. Maybe it's only me. But I believe I have some type of inclination that maybe some of you are also dealing with self this morning. And, and maybe some of you are like, man, I just, I wish I didn't do this thing. I wish, you know. I, I, wish, I wish I did this over here for another reason, or I'd really like to get away from this. Um, I, I just, I, I, I check my heart every once in a while. I think that that's good and healthy, and get it back on track where it is that God is calling me to, so I can be the man of God that he is calling me to be. Amen? So think about those things, who and why, as, as, as we go through this teaching this morning. We're going to start off in the book of Genesis, chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. The Word of God says this, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, then one, the, one, the one you sold into Egypt. And now to not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was, it was to save the lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh. Lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Pray with me if you would. Lord, we recognize your spirit in this place, Lord. 
God, there's no lack of truth when it comes to your word. There's no lack of your presence in our lives, God. But right now, we intentionally invite you into the areas of our heart that we've been hiding. God, we invite you into the areas of our life where, where we have shame, where we may have guilt, or where you are convicting us to change this morning. God, Lord, would your word come, and would it cut like a two-edged sword, Lord? Would it soften the hearts? Would it open our hearts? Would, would, would your truth, would your power God, you are the source. Would we run to you for, for, for our needs, God? Lord, would you do this morning what only you could do? Would you have me decrease so that you would increase? And it's in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You know, I love being a dad. I'm a new dad. Got a baby girl, 14 weeks old. Uh, she, she's wonderful. I love everything about being a dad. I'll be sharing many lessons you could imagine about being a dad, my adventures, my failures, my shortcomings, and, and what I learn about being a dad with the students and also with you guys here on Sunday morning. And I have uh, my first lesson, the very first thing that I discovered in being a dad, and many men in the room, um, if you were honest and if you were wise, you would have the same thing. We, we realize that it's not about us. It is not about you. As a matter of fact, life is, is no longer about me, but especially uh, the pregnancy and the delivery of this baby. That has nothing to do with me. All about my wife, how comfortable she is. I, I, it is not us who had a child. Lexi and I didn't have a child. Lexi birthed a child, right? The, the greatest thing that I could do is be there and cheer her on. But I had to learn very quickly that this is no longer about me. For the first time in my life, I, I now care about something more than myself. And I think that we have to learn that in this Christian life, that it is not about you, that you may have feelings towards something, that, that you may stand upon something, that you may not want something to happen, but we have to know that it's not about us. And your God dream, what God has told you, what God has spoken into your life, the thing that he promised you, Christian, that that is not even about you. Your God dream, your calling, what he's speaking to you, it is always going to be about other people. It is always going to be about God's glory. Now, Joseph, if you're first now uh, tuning in with us and you haven't been here throughout the past couple weeks, Joseph, he is the 11th son of Jacob. He's a favorite son. He had a dream at 17 year old, years old that his brothers would be bowing down to him. His brothers didn't like that dream. They wanted to kill Joseph. They end up throwing Joseph in a pit. They end up uh, selling Joseph into slavery. Slave, he's enslaved at Potiphar's house. Potiphar takes a liking to Joseph. Joseph rises up in the ranks and, and, and takes favor with Potiphar. Joseph actually also has favor with Mrs. Potiphar. So he has to get out of there. He has, he has to remove himself from the situation. He's wrongfully confused. He's in prison. And in prison, he interprets two dreams, one of a cupbearer or, uh, or a head butler, and the other one, the baker. And both of these, these guys, they had, uh, they had different dreams. And Joseph interprets them, and he says, in three days, one of you is going to be killed, you're going to be hung, the other one's going to be restored back to their position. And these, James, these dreams, they came to pass, and uh, after, after this Pharaoh, uh, he's, he's the man on the scene at the time, and he has a dream, and he calls all uh, of his people together, and nobody can interpret these dreams. And then that cupbearer, who is imprisoned with Joseph, remembers Joseph. He says, I remember this young Hebrew boy who interpreted our dreams. So then he brings Joseph, uh, they, they cut his beard off, they give him a high top fade, they bring him up to Pharaoh, and they say, hey, you know what, this, this 
this is your guy. This is the guy who's going to be able to interpret the dreams. He says, I'm not the interpreter. God is going to surely show you, though, what this dream is. So he interprets the dream. And this is where we are right, right now is he interpreted the dream. He is second in command over all of Egypt under Pharaoh. He's Pharaoh's right-hand guy. And uh, he is stewarding and he is managing the blessing. There's been seven years of harvest. Life has been good uh, for Joseph over these past two years right now. So Joseph's had, had been through a lot. Now things, things are going good. Now Joseph's gone through the journey. Now he's actually receiving the promise that God promised him. Now Joseph's father, Jacob, he gathers his sons together and he says, you know what? There's a famine. I need you. I heard that Egypt had seven years of food stored up over there. I need you to grab all of the silver that we have, all the money, and go over there and beg for mercy. I need you to go and beg for mercy that we can be fed. And the Bible tells us, that 10 of the brothers go out to Egypt and they're brought before Joseph and they don't know that this is Joseph yet at this point but when they're brought, brought forth to him he's not speaking Hebrew he's, he's not dressed in his normal attire he's in Egyptian clothing but the brothers say all fall to their knees and they beg him for mercy and they ask Joseph if they can ha be given food for their family. Now we know that at 17 years old, Joseph had this dream that his brothers would bow before him. And from scripture, we know that he went to work for Pharaoh at the age of 30. We also know that there's been seven good years. So Joseph's 37 years old, two years of famine. So now Joseph is 39, 40 years old. So it has been 23 years a journey seeing this God dream fulfilled, right? Joseph did not have a bad day, not a bad week. Joseph had a bad decade. And for many of us, a bad week can lead us to quit. A bad week can lead us to give up, to think that God is not on my side, that God is no longer with me. But we know that throughout this whole series, that this is the story of Joseph, that God meant it for good, that God is in control, that nothing is a surprise to him, that he has called you to do this task, and that it will come to fruition. Why? Because God is faithful. And today, my friends, we need to continue to learn that it's not about us, that it's about the plan, that it's about God's perfect plan. He wants to use you and I, but in order for us to use, use us, we have to know who we are, and we have to know why we are doing it. So we have to be a people of patience, and we have to be a people of endurance if we want to be involved in God's plan on, on this level. Now, his brothers are begging for his help. Now, if I'm Joseph, and I have a time to get payback, if I can return the favor that, that they did on me, I may not be the man that God picks because my heart may not be ready to receive that. I may want to throw them right back in the very same pit that they threw me in or throw them into the very same house of slavery that they sold me into. Yet Joseph was a man that had a God dream, and he knew that this was a God dream, and he knew that it wasn't about him. He knew that the dream was about other people, and he articulates that in the passage that we just read. It is for other people, and it is for God's glory. Now, Joseph, he could have easily what? He could have easily cursed them, but he blesses them. He could have easily harmed them. He could have hurt them, but what does he do? He forgives them. Now, this is an amazing verse right here. If you are dealing with this morning, releasing somebody, forgiving somebody, some type of awe in your heart, Look at this verse, Romans chapter 12, 19 to 21. This is an amazing verse. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. So often we want to get 
in the middle of what God is trying to do. We want to take it into our own hands. And maybe you're like me and you would want to take care of it on your time the way that you want to. Right? If I take it in care of my head, then, then I get the job done the way I want it to get done. But if you're a believer, if you believe in God and his perfect plan, and, and this, this kind of assures me right here, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, we've talked a lot about the journey in, the, in these messages leading up to this point. We've talked a lot about how Joseph gets to where he is and what it looks like in the waiting and what it looks like in, in when he has to sacrifice and in the struggle and when he is suffering. But what about when you arrive? What about when the God dream is given. What about when it comes to pass? When 23 years of laboring and 23 years of waiting, the question is, when it happens, Christian, what is it that you are going to do with it? Are you going to make all those doubters? Are you going to make all those haters, all that tried to stop you, who tried to hurt you, who tried to get in your way? Will you be like me and maybe have a heart of, I'll make them pay? I want revenge. You know that your motives and your intentions matter. That God, is, 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 he is concerned about your motives as well as your intentions. That we must operate, if you want to operate in a revenge, I call this righteous revenge. This is righteous revenge, allowing God to do what God does, does best and manage his people. Now, the battle is the Lord. The wrath is the Lord's. This is his. Our business is what? To be obedient. That is our job. Our job is to steward, and our job is to manage the vision. God, he's going to put things on people's hearts. He's going to change people. He is going to transform people, not me. I manage and I steward the vision that God has given me. You want to get back at some people who betrayed you, who have hurt you, who've never believed in you? Forgive them. Trust me. There's a reason that the Bible says to pray for your enemies, not because it's easy. You're not letting people go when you forgive people. You are letting yourself go. You have become imprisoned to your own ideation. So, so you want to get back at somebody, Christian, let me tell you, forgive them. It's not about getting retribution. It's about giving contribution, right? It is about contributing. Joseph was a man who did not want to get revenge, but he wanted to contribute to the plan of God. Now, here's Joseph enduring 23 years, and I want to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself the same question that I've been asking myself through this study. Who am I? Who am I? Am I Joseph? Am I a man of this caliber? Do I have the integrity that Joseph has in the tough times? Am I going to fold? Am I going to bend? Am I going to put somebody else in front of me, or, or am I going to be a man of forgiveness? Am I going to be a generous man? Am I going to be a man of obedience? Or am I going to take things into my own hands and do how I want to with it? Many of us, we get caught up in, in who we are has to do with what it is that we do. We get caught up in what we do. We forget who we are. Where does my identity come from? What is it that creates my identity? What is it that defines my identity as a person? Is it my accomplishments? Is it my accolades? Is it my bank account, my possessions, my degrees, my position in life? All of these things fade. I hope that your identity is not wrapped in 
any of these. I hope that you have all of them. Those are all great things to have. But for your identity to be wrapped in those is absolutely wrong. Because the only reason, the only reason that Joseph was able to pass the test of retribution and able to forgive his brothers who threw him into a pit was because Joseph knew exactly who he was. Genesis 45, 3 and 4 says this, that Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. His brothers did not recognize him the last time that they had seen Joseph. Joseph was a 17-year-old boy. Now he's a 40-year-old man ruling a kingdom, right? So, so many of us may not recognize people. People may not recognize us. We are not bound by our past. We may not even be able to see with the glow of Jesus, with the light that you are projecting. People may not even be able to see what it is that you have been through. I'm not bound by my past. I don't carry around the weight of bitterness. Christian, bitterness is ugly. Bitterness is for the world that is not for us. Bitterness is so ugly on a Christian, and all you're doing is creating another victim, and that victim is yourself. Bitterness, if you walk around with bitterness, bitterness is like you trying to drink a poison, hoping that the effects are on the other person, hoping that the other person is feeling the pain. It doesn't matter what kind of designer clothes you wear. It doesn't matter how much makeup you put on. The bitterness will seep through, and people will notice it. It will begin to come out in your conversation. It'll come out in your facial expressions. Bitterness is ugly, but forgiveness, forgiveness is attractive, Christian. Forgiveness is releasing a prisoner only to discover that that prisoner was you. Do you think that the person that, that you have unforgiveness in your heart that you've been waiting to get back at or wanting them to witness your success, do you think that they're thinking about you? No. No, they don't spend time thinking about you. You are releasing yourself. You're saying, I'm going to free myself from the feeling I have on this person, on this situation, on what happened to me. He is saying, I'm forgiving these guys. I'm letting them go because I know who I am. You know, I ran into this guy not too long ago. I was visiting some buddies in California, and I hadn't seen him in years. And he goes, Randy, man, you really changed. I say, and you, you're still the exact same. You have the exact same desires. You have the exact same wants and needs. All, all, these, all these things about you, your conversation, everything is the same. You have never accelerated to another point. You have never been elevated. You have never, it seems as if you, you have never wanted even more or desired anything more. Change is a part of growth. Change is how transformation takes place in our life. Yes, I adapt. Yes, I shift. But my identity remains the same. Joseph was a man that wherever he went, it didn't matter what was going on. He knew exactly who he was. Whether, whether we want to, 
be a people of forgiveness has to depend on who we are. If we're going to be somebody who walks in forgiveness, we have to know who we are. Joseph has been through so much. He is not ashamed of his name. He says, I am Joseph. He has not lost his identity in everything that has happened in his life. I meet so many people on this journey to this God dream. They know that they have a promise. They know that there's better for them, yet, 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 yet they have lost themselves and who they are in the midst of facing rejection, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the tests and the temptation and the isolation somehow these people have forgotten, lost who it is that they are. Yet Joseph was the same everywhere he went. No matter where it was, no matter if it was a mountaintop, no matter if it was a valley, no matter if he was sharing what his vision was with his brothers or they were throwing him in a pit, no matter if it was a Monday or a Friday, no matter if it was a pit or the palace, same old Joe, no matter where he went. I strive to be a man like that. I don't feel that I am, but I want to, and that's what God was working on my heart in this message. I think that Satan, he tries, if he can't get you with failure, he's going to try to get you with success. He's going to try to give you something big that you may not be prepared for, you may not, not, not be having the character for at this point in time, you may not be ready for. Joseph knew that the goal was not to be successful. He knew that the goal was to be faithful, and that's the same for both you and I. Now, success comes out of who you are and what you do that's going to flow through you, that's going to happen. But our job, our goal is faithfulness. Now, church, please never confuse the American dream with the God dream. Because the American dream, they're totally, two totally different things. The American dream is all about you, and the God dream is all about God. Some of us have forgotten who we are. We try to define our identity through our stuff, through our past mistakes, through the list of successes on our wall. Who we are is a child of God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then who you are is a child of God. And everything else should be flowing through and from that source. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. Joseph says this. He says, once I was in darkness, but God, you have called me into your marvelous light. Once I was in a, play, a pit, but Lord, you have placed my feet upon a rock. Lord, you have put a new song on my lips. I am a child of God. Church, Joseph knew exactly who he was. I don't care where you put me. I don't care what comes my way. I know who I am. I am not 100% confident that I would be a great representation of Joseph if life happened to me that way. But I want to. I want to make sure because it's not about me anymore. My life is not about me. I have many students watching me. I have congregation ministers watching me. I have a daughter watching me. I can forgive only because I know what forgiveness is. Only because God has forgiven me. And if you don't understand God's forgiveness, you're never going to be a person who walks in forgiveness. Because forgiveness was a gift given to us by God. How, how could you forgive otherwise? 1 Corinthians 15 says, 15.10 says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I am who I am, church. You are who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly, simply by the grace 
of God. And that is it. If it was not for the grace of God, I would not be standing in front of you today. You would not be sitting here today. Every single miracle, every single dream fulfilled is simply because of the rich mercy and God's grace. Who we are matters so much more than what we do. Do not allow your identity to be wrapped up in what it is that you do because that can change. Who you are cannot be robbed from you. Who you are will never change. It doesn't matter if you're at the palace or in the pit. Who you are will never change. My identity is not dictated by what I do, but what I do is dictated by my identity. What I do flows out of who I am with my students, my, my, my leadership back in the beach house. I want to focus on who they are, not what they can do, not their abilities. We had this whole leadership plan where I was going to sharpen and strengthen all of their gifts and talents. And I said, no, God wants to do something else. We're not doing that. We are going to focus on who they are because out of that will flow all of these things. We are called to be faithful. We are called to faithfulness, not to success. Our job is obedience. His job is the outcome. God is just looking for a man or a woman that he can trust to be faithful. Could God look down on your family, on somebody to lead your family? And he, could he say, I can use this man right here. I can use this woman right here. Let's check our hearts today, church. Maybe I'm the only one convicted, and that's okay with me, because that means God is moving. He says, I am Joseph. I haven't lost myself through it all, through everything that my brothers have done to me. I'm still the guy that they threw in the pit. Yes, but I forgive you. I think about this a whole lot more now that I have a child, even know that she's young, but the kid, she does not care and could totally care less if, if I preach a good sermon. She could totally care less if I'm effective at my job. Now, I may be able to fool you guys. I could come up here for 25, 35 minutes, make you think that I'm a little bit wiser. Maybe I know a little bit more than I actually do. And, and I could do that. that. That could be possible. But Sienna is going to know the truth no matter what. She's going to know exactly who I am, whether I'm behind the pulpit or I'm sitting on the couch. And I need to focus way more on who it is that I am than what it is that I do. And I want my kid to know know that my life preaches a much louder message than I ever will from behind this pulpit with a microphone. Amen? And I think that our city needs to see that from each and every one of us, from what we're doing in our businesses to on the ball field, in the classroom, and just in, in community together. We need to be a church that produces this type of character. Who are we, church? I know that I see people, and even myself, I have dreams and ambitions, and, and, we're, and we're starting businesses left and right. And I know that we can find ourselves 100%. I know that we can find ourselves investing more time in our business than we are in our soul. We can time, investing more time in the things that we are excited about than the, than the things that we are ambitious for than we are our very own soul. Your business may have a mission statement, but your family could be missing one. I was coming up with all of these things, and this is all me first, church. I was coming up. I have goals. I have businesses I want to start. And, and I noticed that I had phrases to go along with things I wanted to start, but nothing that my family was standing on. Who are we becoming? Things come and go. Life, it happens. It has its moment. But identity cannot be stolen as long as your identity is in Jesus Christ. 
I want to be a nice guy. I want to be a kind guy. I want to be generous regardless of what my bank account says. I want to be generous. I want to be a man of conviction. I want to be a man that was grateful. I want to be known for being grateful and for being passionate about what I cared about. What do you want to be known for? Who are you, Christian? You have to define that, and then everything will flow from that. Number one, who are we? Who is it that we are? Where do we place our identity? Why are we able to be walking in forgiveness, walking in kindness, walking in generosity, walking in the confidence of God and not our situation? Who are we to be that person? Number two, why is it? Why do we do what we do? What is our motivation? What is it that is motivating you? Because what's motivating you matters with God. People may say, oh, the means justifies the end. Not with God, Christian. He cares about how you get there. He cares about your heart. He cares about the process that it takes. He cares why you desire that. Do you ever wonder why I desire this dream? Why I was born with this? I didn't think of it one day. I feel as if it's purpose in my life because the Bible tells us that God placed that desire in your heart and then he placed the desire to will after that thing. He placed it there. It's always been about him. It's never been about you. I'm not trying to instill apathy inside of you this morning. I just want you to have a holy ambition. I want a holy ambition to overcome you and your life. I just want us to check our hearts and answer the questions who and why. If you are ever going to be a person that is promoted, that is elevated, that is given authority and power, when you have the moment, when it exhausts that power on you, unless you answer the question of why, you will almost always curse instead of bless and hurt instead of forgive. It is your human carnal nature. Without your identity being in the Spirit of God, without operating within the Spirit of God, you will not be and cannot be a person of true forgiveness. Genesis 45, 5 and 8 says this. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. See, this is, this is Joseph's why. This is why. It says because, but this is why. You know what I'm saying? It says because... It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. When we can look back, when we can look back at our pain, when we can look back at the trials, when we can look back at the temptation, the isolation, the rejection, and we can say that it was God who sent me here, that we can say, I had to go through this. This is part of the plan. God is, 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 is speaking very clearly to us. He is answering the question of why for all of us, and that is, not for yourself, for others. That is for God's plan. That is for his purpose so that he could bring his promise to pass. All the way back in the book of Genesis, talking about Jesus Christ. Joseph dreamed at 17 years old that his brothers would bow down to him. And here he is at 40 years old. His brothers have bowed down to him. And it, it, it wasn't really 
the dream. Joseph, Joseph may have originally thought that that was the dream, that the dream was the brothers were going to bow down. And we may have started this series four weeks ago, and you may be like, hey, when's the dream going to come to pass? Well, we see the dream come to pass, but it doesn't seem that important because the dream really had nothing to do with brothers bowing down. Brothers bowing down was just a byproduct of the dream. The dream had nothing to do with that. The dream had everything to do with God saving his people he called Israel from a famine. That he might have a remnant in the earth. Why? Because it was out of this bloodline, out of this family line, that Jesus would come. Now God may have been looking down at Jacob and his family and saying, hey, I have a dream, I have a dream to rescue my people and I'm going to use this man to do it. And does this man, does he have the character to, to sustain the blessing? Can he sustain what it is that I've called him to? Does he have the will with where I, to realize that it is not about him? Can God look down on you and, and, and say these very things that, that he, he had to call Joseph? God chose Joseph. God needed a remnant of his people on this earth that he picked Joseph? When the why becomes to bring God glory, when your why becomes for worship, when your why becomes to bring praise to God, when your why becomes to make Jesus' name famous, when that becomes your why, you will understand forgiveness. When that becomes your why, you will understand the, the motivation that God is giving you, the intention, why you do what you do. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time, but as, as, as we finish up here through this series, what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you a glimpse of Jesus on every single page. From Genesis to Revelations, we see, and, and, and I don't think that we can see Jesus any more clearly than we can right here in Genesis chapter 45. Jesus is from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books, but the gospel to come, the good news that Jesus has come to save you right here in Genesis 45. It's all about Jesus. Let's, let's take a look at John 5. 39 and 40, Jesus says this about himself. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is saying that the power is not in the scripture, that the power is in the person of the scriptures. John 5, 45 through 47, But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, you are not you going to believe what I say. So when Moses was recounting these historical events that were happening in Jesus' life, he didn't know at the time that there would be one to come that was greater than Joseph, that, 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 that even David is a great example, but there would be one to come that was greater than David and Joseph. He sits at the right hand of Pharaoh and Joseph. He has forgiven and blessed these that he should have cursed and could have, should have condemned. And we see the very same thing with Jesus. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father that Jesus is our intercessor, that Jesus, for those who deserve hell, death, and the grave, for those who deserve condemnation, that instead of condemning us, instead of hurting us, he gives us grace. 
He blesses us. He gives us some mercy. Amen. I think that we have something to worship today. We have a reason to worship today. That Jesus had a plan, and his plan may not seem perfect to us at certain times. We may not want to stay there all the time, but Jesus' plan is through his people to bring his promise. And that promise is coming to pass, and we see it here in Scripture. We see it in our everyday lives. So let us give him praise, honor, and glory. Let's worship the true King Jesus this morning. Amen.